Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz singer Michelle Lordy on the 2023 CD called Two Moons. On this fourth album out on Imani Records, she is joined by pianist and Imani owner Warren Evans, bassist Eric Rivas, and drummer Nasheed Waits. Partners on three albums as the collective trio Tar Baby, who continue their customary attitude of what Lordy calls reckless abandon while also functioning as a signifying rhythm section add a lot of poignancy to the album. We originally caught up with her in the beginning of the pandemic in October of 2020, so we talk about surviving this time period, this new project, upcoming live shows, dreams, and so much more. Enjoy. Perfect. Michelle, great to see you. How's it going? Pretty good. Good. Been a while since we talked. You know what's weird? I was thinking back. I, I thought it may have been a little bit over a year ago, and it just shows how the pandemic has zapped and melted everything. It was literally in that October of 2020, after yes. it kind of settled in that we were in for a, a hell of a ride with COVID. <laughs> it was. It was a hell of a ride. <laughs> so I guess that's my first question. Now that you have a new album out, how did you how did you get through it? How good does it feel to have new material out? And you obviously have a tour coming up. How does it feel? Oh, it's so good to be on the other side of yeah. all of that. Um, I, I will say that um, a, a theme that runs through uh, the new recording, Two Runes, um, is really personal to me, which is sometimes, like the pandemic, something sometimes really good things come out of really bad things. Yeah, and unfortunately, vice versa. But I think the pandemic for a lot of musicians, for everybody, pretty much was really bad. Um, but what came out of it for me, um, both personally and professionally, was a heightened sense of focus of what what I'm looking for. So, um, it, in a way, I can kind of owe the pandemic a lot of uh, a lot of. Um, uh, respect for getting me into shape, uh, both personally and professionally, um, as a musician. So talk to me about putting this album together. What's the meaning behind two moons and how, how much did the pandemic and living through that influence the material that artistically went into this? Okay. Um, so the album was recorded in the in March of 2021. So we okay. were still in it then. And um, a couple, uh, maybe maybe about a month before the recording, I wasn't really planning on recording at that time. Um, we really were living day to day for the most part. Yeah. Um, but I remember having a conversation with Oren saying, um, you know, I'd really love to record with Tar Baby someday. And he said, are you sure? <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm sure. I, I wasn't sure, honestly. I wasn't sure. I just kind of had that feeling like uh, if there's not any more music ever to be made, what would I like to do? You know, a kind of the end of world feeling. Um, <laughs> bucket list, you know. Um, so he said, you know, actually in the sheet and Eric are going to be in town um, and, and, you know, around this time. And I said, let's do something. And um, he might have tried to talk me out of it a couple more times, but uh, specifically because he knows um, based on the last album that I made, um, I like to, um, you know, I have a vision 
and I really want to see it through. Um, and what Oren said was, be ready for it to be whatever it is. And, um, you know, the good, kind of good advice for that time to be ready for it to be whatever it is. And um, it certainly was different than I imagined it. Um, and, but I did bring what I wanted, to, you know, it ended up being exactly right for the time. And I owe a huge uh, debt to both Oren and the band and specifically my partner, Matthew Parrish, who um, helped over the couple, the last couple years um, put together, you know, what we recorded and help me find, you know, make sense of it and also help me get out of my own way and make it happen. You know, we may have touched on this in the previous interview, but I I talked to a lot of musicians over that pandemic period, and it, and it dawned on me that jazz is a lot like what we lived through in the pandemic. There's a level of artists out there, and it seems as though jazz is kind of the metaphor for what we went through. You're thrown into the unknown. You have to make the best out of it. And it almost sounds like what you were talking about. Whatever comes out of it is going to come out of it, but that's what you're used to doing anyway. So it's yeah. just heightened. Your compass needle is going to find a way out of the woods, so to speak. Yeah, yeah it's either the pan we're either talking about the pandemic or last Tuesday, right? Right. See, there <laughs> so, you go. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm not sure what's what's worse uh, for, for jazz, uh, the pandemic, or, uh, you know, streaming. You know, actually, yeah. I know streaming is worse. But anyway, um, yeah, it's 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 not an easy road no matter how you slice it um and what's funny is i think being someone who is better in crises than in than the mundane day to day uh for whatever reason um helped helped us get through it yeah um so uh, we did a lot of recording during the pandemic of, of uh, us and other artists uh, through Bump Jazz, which is uh, Matthew's production company. Um, so we really did make make the best of it where we could. So what are you hoping the listener gets from this album? Mm. Uh, well, I've, I've, I've gotten, it's interesting. You're the first person to actually um, interview me about the album. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there have been several interviews already and it's, it's so neat to, you know, part of kind of Oren's theme, like let it be what it is or, or let it become what it needs to be. Um, I'm fascinated by what people have heard in it. I'm fascinated what they've drawn out of it, which is exactly what I was looking for. And then there's some other levels that I didn't even, you know, it's maybe in their imagination, but if that's what music can compel you to hear, that's great. Um, the first track is a spoken word piece and it's basically, it was a one take of a, um, dream I had the night before the perform the, um, recording. And, um, I did send that record. I did send that, um, dream to the band. Um, they may have listened to it or not. I'm not sure. 
Yeah. Um, but it was like a, I don't know if we're close to the same age, but uh, did you grow up in the time of like the day after? Like oh, that yeah. Whole... Oh, yeah. yeah. I, w- I was born at 72. See, I'm, a, I'm an 80s kid. Me too. 72. <laughs> so yes. we're like in fifth grade and the day after airs. And um, yeah, if anyone is younger than us listening, I'm sure there's a couple of them. Um, the day after was this crazy movie about a nuclear um, accident, I guess. Yeah, and in Kansas, uh-huh. and it tell it shows you all these terrible things that are happening, and it's it was completely frightening. Yeah, and yeah. I used to have day after dreams all the time, until I don't know something else filled my subconscious. But during the pandemic, they came back. Yeah, and I had this dream, this end of the world dream, the night before the performance. I mean the um the recording, and um, I'm walking along this landscape and broken things and everything's covered in dust and I'm, we're all covered in dust and there's nothing there. And I'm pretty sure I'm the last person. Yeah. And then I hear music coming from like a roadhouse and I go and there's a jazz band playing and I'm so happy to see them, of course, and they sound great and, and they play song after song and they don't stop. And I'm starting to think, oh no, wait, they can't stop. So in the dream, there's this anxiety like, oh, no, the band can't stop because if the band stops, it's the end of the world. Oh, wow. So and by the way, I'm going to hell because you're never supposed to, the, you know, thou shalt not bore and thou shalt not tell people your dreams. <laughs> but, it's OK. That's it, yeah. So so I'm having this you know, anxiety dream about jazz and about music. And in, in the dream, they say, you know, obviously they need help because they're getting so tired and. And I get up to sing and I'm like, this will be easy. I can sing for them. And then it, it's so heavy. Everything's heavy. It feels like, you know, you're, you've got giant weights on. And I realize how hard it's been for them to play. And just when I think I'm going to give up and I know that if the music stops, it's like the end of the world. In walk, all of a sudden we're in, by the way, uh, I haven't told anybody this. All of a sudden this roadhouse turns into smalls. Oh, wow. And in New York and or maybe the Django, but it's like this this subterranean place. And all of a sudden, all walk in all these shiny, clean people, millennials covered <laughs> like really cool outfits and they have instruments yeah. and they're like, we're here to play. And we're like, thank God. And we all like drag ourselves off the bandstand. We're covered in dirt. And they're like, go outside. The moon is beautiful. And they set up their instruments, but everything's kind of weird. Yeah. Like happy songs are sad, sad songs are happy. But we go outside, we're so thankful. And we see the moon and we see the reflection. And I hear Blue Moon playing. And then I realize, oh, shoot. Like maybe they just saved us. Or maybe those are the aliens that blew up our planet. Right. Or maybe both. So, and then I woke up. So anyway. Nice. The whole album is informed with that, like, is it good? Is it bad? Maybe it's both. Yeah. And it's a it's a it's a story throughout the album about how love can be great and it can be terrible and a breakup can be terrible or it could be great and and pain can lead to happiness and and uh not all you know and 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 the uh day after dreams are back 
You know, what's interesting about that is that it that is totally emblematic of being at our age because mm -hmm. there's so much level of self-reflection and we've gone through these seismic things in our lives. You know, growing up, it was like Reagan assassination, Challenger explosion, 9-11. Like yep. when you get to this point and our younger in the, in the 80s, there was a couple things that happened, but not as magnanimous as this. But the interesting thing about your dream is that there really is a notion of the jazz torch getting passed on and to have the youngers come up and relieve us gives the relief that it's going to get passed on to the right people yeah. and that we just need a break sometimes. Sometimes we just need to sit down and let our feet just relieve themselves because it just gets tiring, you know? Yeah. Uh, unless of course you don't want them to like, right. you know what I mean? That's the thing. Uh, and I, I you know, I, I ran a session, I'm on break right now, I'm on break, but I ran a session for like six or seven years. Um, and specifically, it started as a way for me to connect with elders because I didn't go to school and uh, had some amazing um, mentors here in Philadelphia, uh, Sonny Troy, um, uh, Larry McKenna, and they had a free night. So I started a session with them. But I remember one day looking around, I think I was, I think I was with Matthew. And we were, I had said to someone like, yeah, this is the session I started so people could work with old heads. And I looked around, I'm like, oh shoot, we're the old heads. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. So, you know, it, 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 the torch does get passed and what it is they, kind of painful sometimes. Yeah. What, what did they, what, uh, oh, they called them the old figs back. Remember back in the bebop days, that was the term that like Dizzy and, and Charlie and all of those guys would give the older cats that were playing the older jazz. I think they call them old figs. Old figs. <laughs> that was the term. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's, that's what it made like me all, think. That's great. Uh, like all good, um, you know, like all dream, dream interpretation, there's many levels of anxiety uh -huh. uh, expressed in that, I'm sure, you know, about from everything from the pandemic to uh, getting older to just the state of, you know, being a, a musician or artist in this yep. world. But um, yeah, so I'm, it, it, it inform. it turns out, you know, I didn't intend on putting that spoken word piece in it. And yeah. that, piece, and that was actually the, one of the only, that's the only track on the whole album that wasn't pretty much like as we did it. Yeah. Um, I took a piece that uh, uh, Eric and um, Caleb, kind of like just a, uh, it was a piece from the very last song on the album and recorded it over that. Yeah. Um, but in a way, the album did end up being this completely surprise thing, but because I had that dream, it all kind of linked it together. Yeah. Which made me happy that there was a footprint of, um, like there was a vision throughout the whole thing. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I always remember that that part in that Bob Dylan movie. Um, I think Benning played him and he oh. was just sitting at a table and he was just and he was having a dream. And there was an older maid that was in the room and he was just trying to sweat out what he was going to write. What was he going to capture creatively? And she just turned around and said, what are you worried about? Just write about right now. Just right now, whatever's in front of you. And that's just like your dream. It's like, that's the beauty of flash art. It's like, it just happens and you yeah. just grab it and you just put it in there and it's not premeditated. It's just like what Oren said. It just, whatever's going to happen is going to land and happen.
you know? Exactly. And even, even though it didn't happen the way I thought, even that not happening the way I thought it would happen, didn't happen the way I thought it would happen. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, that's, yeah. Yeah. It, it's the be and, and I think that's the thing that jazz has taught me covering this for so long is that I've, I have an extra special sense of, everything everything i see every day will never happen again even if it's bill murray on cue and groundhog day trying to do it the exact same way as the day before there's going to be a misstep there's going to be one lace that's going to be tied differently one shirt button that's going to be buttoned differently there's something yeah. that's going to be different and that's the beauty of the uniqueness of this existence is that just like jazz it's going to happen once and that's it yeah so it's it's True. a good thing Speaking of of that magic, you're getting out on the road, live shows. That has to feel good. Talk to me a little bit about the tour. Yes. Um, so it, it's interesting. It's a it's kind of a hybrid between my band and um, I have the pleasure of working. Speaking of old heads, uh, with uh, Matthew Parrish Trio and the and Houston Person. Oh wow! So uh, we'll be in. Um, I have a gig up in Amherst, Massachusetts. We're doing a, a, a workshop for the jazz studies program there and then a concert at the Drake. And then we go to Paris for a couple nights uh, to play at a place called the Duke de Lombard. And uh, that's our second time there. And um, so working with Houston is amazing. Wow. And uh, I've learned so much from, uh, from just from from the material to choose to watching you know learning from the audience and seeing what they love to phrasing from Houston and he's amazing so it's a pleasure to work with him and then I have some gigs uh, that are my band which is a kind of a hybrid between two moons and the album before break up with the sound so it's a guitar based I think I'm doing mostly guitar based um, for those for those performances oh and i'll be with oren uh with the captain black big band at birdland oh cool very for, cool for a, christmas, for a christmas show yeah that's awesome so you know the, the great thing about someone like houston would have to be just because of who he is and his legendary status by osmosis you're just going to gain all of this without him saying anything just i, I and i and i'm not the first musician to talk about this i think um someone interviewed uh, J the tenor saxophonist J.D. Allen, mm -hmm. um, who's on the same label as Houston. I think he's on Savant to High Note and um, about Houston. And I think mostly what he talked about is watching Houston and how he reads a crowd. And it's an art form. And, you know, how he sets up a set. Um, I And I know because, you know, at Matthew is his bass player and... Um, you know, there is no, they, they have an idea of what the set will be, but it always changes. And it always changes because Houston is constantly watching yeah, and reading and feeling what's going on. So that's been something really important for me to learn is to stay, um, to have a plan, but also stay super flexible and read that crowd. So... You know, it kind of reminds me every time I hear about people explaining our local legend here. I mean, he's a legend in jazz, Bobby Watson, which I'll run into sometimes, even unexpectedly, is they always say how when he gets on stage, he's on like, boom. And I ran yeah. into him 
at we have this thing at the blue room called thursday at noon shows and it started during the pandemic but it's continuing and you can come in and they have like half hour 45 minute sets with people and dan thomas who was a part of the university of missouri kansas city program with bobby bobby was there and it's like when i saw him outside it's like they're just hanging out doing their thing it's kind of like a baseball player they're like cats they're all like slow motion but when that ball comes they're just like instantly in magic mode and that's what bobby does and that's the interesting thing all of them have these things that just make them the light bulb completely bright it's get it gets bright on stage the magic happens yeah it's showtime yeah that's it absolutely so if anyone out there wants to pick up the album, learn about shows, get tickets, anything that would be helpful right now, where's the best place to go? Uh, best place to go would be, um, you can go to my website, uh, michellelordy.com. Um, I would love to put, if you don't mind, I could put a link. T- uh, do you have like a, can I put a link tree uh, yeah. link in your yeah. comments? I could do I'd that. Um, and, uh, that's, that's super helpful and, uh, follow me on Facebook at Michelle Lordy music, uh, Instagram and Michelle at Michelle dot Lordy L O R D I two L's and Michelle. And, um, you can sign up for my mailing list. I usually get out like maybe one email a month or so. I tell people, don't worry. I have three kids. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't send a lot of emails. Yeah. Um, so Michelle, um, you can, or just, uh, you can email me at michellelordy at gmail.com. I'm not coming your way anytime soon, but I'd love to. Yeah. So I hope to, to get out your way uh, sooner rather than later. Absolutely. Man, yeah. you have put a bug in my head with the day after I forgot about that panic the next day. Right? I'm because, sorry. No, 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 no. I love it because <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel like a, a David Lynch dream is coming. And, and the beauty, you know, because that's just, yeah. it's all that mystery unknown. And that's a lot of what his, his uh, yeah. material is. But I remember living, especially here in Kansas city and all of the epicenter was in Kansas. So we were extra. Right, you were right there. Extra, yeah. It's like, it's like every, every time a calamity really goes down, it's kind of like centered was, here in the Kansas city area. Kansas, Kansas. I don't know why. I, it, it's like, you know, Dorothy got swept up and then we joked around for a long time that if the Chiefs finally won a Super Bowl, that the world would come to an end. And after that parade in 2020, the world did come to an end. Oh, my gosh, that's terrible. Was it in was it in Lawrence, Kansas or was it Topeka? It was, was Lawrence. It was Lawrence. It was yeah. Lawrence. And now mm-hmm. all those memories are going to come back. I'm going to be on YouTube later, try to stitch it all back together. Right? Yeah, no, it's terrible. Every dream, I think they must have filled. They, so they must have filled uh, bathtubs with water or something, or told people to do that because that's that was in every dream I had for like uh-huh. 20 years. It's filling yeah. bathtubs with water. That is so, so wild. So yeah. wild. Probably a medication for this, by the way. Right. <laughs> well, oh, you know, this is this is what jazz does. It just it just brings everything to the surface. So it's good. It's good yeah. improv. Hey, yeah. Michelle, thank you for reaching out. It's great to reconnect with you and good luck with the album and the tour. I appreciate it. 
Great talking with you, Joe. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in Philadelphia, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Michelle for her time, energy, and coming on back to Neon Jazz. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.